Hi, you're listening to Science Queries, a fortnightly podcast where we discuss anything and everything to do with STEM, often with an LGBT plus focus. I'm Khan. I'm Kiara. And I'm Sonia. Today, we are discussing why experts have decided to remove the word gullible from the dictionary. Once upon a time, there were three kingdoms, all bordering on the same lake. For centuries, these kingdoms had fought over an island in the middle of that lake. One day, they decided to have it out, once and for all. The first kingdom was quite rich, and sent, it, sent an army of 25 knights, each with three squires. The night before the battle, the knights jousted and caveted as their squires polished armour, cooked food, and sharpened weapons. The second kingdom was not so wealthy, and sent only 10 knights, each with two squires. The night before the battle... The knights caveted and sharpened their weapons as the squires polished armour and prepared dinner. The third kingdom was very poor, and only sent one elderly knight with his sole squire. The night before the battle, the knight sharpened his weapon while the squire, using a looped rope, slung a pot high over the fire to cook while he prepared the knight's armour. The next day, the battle began. All the knights of the first two kingdoms had caveted a bit too much, one should never cavort while sharpening weapons and jousting, and could not fight. The squire of the third kingdom could not rouse the elderly knight in time for combat, so in the absence of the knights, the squires fought. The battle raged well into the late hours, but when the dust finally settled, a solitary figure limped from the carnage. The lone squire from the third kingdom dragged himself away, beaten, bloodied, but victorious. Um, <laughs> and it just goes to prove the squire of the high pot and noose is equal to the sum of the squires of the other two sides. <gasps> I've, seen, I've heard this. <laughs> yeah, I've this heard freaking punchline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Alright, so. Ooh. April Fools. <laughs> so, how involved are you guys normally with April Fools stuff? Like, do you have any anecdotes? Honestly, I don't even remember it's April Fools half the time. Mm. <laughs> the only anecdote I have is I think in the eight or like when I was young. It happened to be April Fools and I had like a sticky note and I put it under someone's mouse. And that's yeah. what I remember doing. Right. That that's like the only time I've yeah. ever participated. So <laughs> Yeah. Right, yeah. I don't think I've ever participated in April Fools. Like we did mock up day or whatever where we did those kind of stuff. But I don't think I've ever like actually like I think the most I've noticed is like oh it's first of a month yeah cool story or like happy April Fools to someone and that's about it <laughs> yeah I mean every now and then or like every so often April Fools Day my family will like try and like make a joke over something <laughs> like last time I remember my dad was like oh you know that they're removing two hours from the time so only go up from one to ten I love that. <laughs> so that's actually fun and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like those kind of jokes so like it's better than like pranks yeah, in my right. opinion yeah because they can always like go wrong and that's mm. not a good idea yeah yeah overall not a big fan of April Fool's but yeah. if you can play with someone gullible like trick them into believing something that's kind of funny yeah, yeah. but yeah other than that yeah, I'm impartial <laughs> <laughs> don't really care about yeah, it. it definitely has potential but yeah a lot of people do take it too far so today we're gonna play a game it's kind of like truth or fact like two truth truths and a lie but, kind when, of, but, but we're not giving three things yeah yeah so, yeah we're gonna play this game where each of us are gonna present two scientific facts or quote facts ideas or theories 
and the others will guess mm-hmm. whether they think that they are true, and then we'll explain them afterwards. Myth bust them. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll say like some statements, right? And then we'll have to say if they're true or false. Yeah. Or like the yeah. others will be like, I think that's true or yeah. not. Yeah. As the audience, you guys can play along too. So just guess whether you think whatever we're saying is true or false. Yeah. Yeah. So Khan. Okay. So my first statement is spinach can now send emails. Oh, I oh, think yeah. I saw that. Yeah, you told us about oh, this fuck. before. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget about it. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, uh, I think I even saw that on my Facebook feed. Right. Oh, okay, that's so, fine. So that's true. true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I, I found, okay, well, now that you know that one's the true one. Anyways, <laughs> completely stuff that up. But <laughs> Because I found another headline that's like very similar. Mm. Yeah. But. It's false. So yeah. Let us can, send emails. Yeah, how can spinach send emails? So spinach can now send emails because engineers at MIT... Wait, okay. So engineers at MIT have been able to turn spinach into sensors that detect explosives in the dirt and the sensors are able to relay this info back to the scientists. So the roots detect nitro aromatics in the groundwater and within the leaves there are nanotubes that have been placed there that emit signals that is sensed by an infrared camera which okay. triggers an alert <laughs> to the scientists it's such like an elaborate by email. Flow chart so, <laughs> it sounds elaborated. Uh, it sounds elaborated. Is that a word? Uh, it sounds elaborate. elaborate. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it sounds elaborate, but it's basically the spinach is a sensor. So mm, yeah, yeah. Or the spinach has a physical signal that the nanotubes convert into electrical. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then it's sensed, and then there's an alert that's sent to an email. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so wait, basically, so spinach can talk to you. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So what are I they guess. detecting again? They're detecting nitro aromatics that come from explosives. Okay. And it like leaches into the groundwater. Yeah. It sounds fake. Like yeah. When you just hear the headline without actually knowing that it exists, it sounds really fake. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. But I guess because there's like no context explained to it, so it's just like, wow, spinach <laughs> coming alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess mine is <laughs> people who live in the city have uh, more nose hair because of the dust. <laughs> I think that's false because like people in the city are more likely to be well-groomed and therefore cut it off. <laughs> okay. Is that part of your thing or is it just like naturally? Well, it would be because of more? like the factories and like all the pollution yeah. and stuff that yeah. people would naturally like, so, like evolve So like to... regardless of whether they cut it or not? No, no. Okay. Yeah, regardless of that. Um, I've... <laughs> I still... I don't know, but I don't think so. Okay. Because I don't know if they evolved that quickly. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just trying to think of some dank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's actually really fun. Like, there's nothing... Yeah, yeah, right? It's kind of funny. Like, I was searching it up and then... Well, there are, like, places where um, I think people have purposefully grown out their nose hair because of the um like really Mm. but not like it's not like some evolved yeah (laughs) like thing yeah i know i read something once that said that people who live in colder climates have smaller noses or like thinner nose canals because you need to warm up your air yeah and then people who live in like the near the equator like tropical climates Mm. they have broader like nasal canals right what they're called yeah because um their air is more humid so yeah yeah that's pretty a larger nose passage allows them to breathe better yeah so there are other like changes yeah but it's not it's not 
to really humans it's more like to animals so like animals in like cities are more stress resistant than like other animals uh-huh. um so like there's like um this plant or whatever that um usually like for in in rural areas it would uh, like use the like breeze or whatever to drop its soil but because that doesn't really work in cities those um in cities are more like compact seeds so that heavy and drop close to the plant and that like allows them to sprout in the soil or whatever mm-hmm. um and there's normal stuff like oh um if you think about how like our like urbanization affects like animals habitats and stuff then that yeah. is like something that has been like affected by the city or whatever i think there was this study about um this plant and they found that um vandalism in a city was responsible for low breeding success which affected the birds and then there's also like the elevated temperature in cities drives evolution of populations with higher heat tolerance right so like cities are generally gonna have more heat because of um like radiation and the masses of the buildings or whatever and yeah. i think there was a study in brazil where they found that when um exposed to stressful temperatures those that like were in the main city like ants that were in the main city survived longer than those like from rural areas yeah i don't know do you guys think like despite biological adaptations do you think there's any other like ways that urbanization has changed us not us specifically because it ha- we haven't been around for that long mm-hmm. but like society it's I interesting guess. to think about how different species would have changed because like they have lower or shorter lifespan so more iterations mm. of them mm. could have happened and we do talk about this in like future episodes <laughs> but <laughs> yeah where we discuss evolution a little bit but yeah like for us it would definitely be more be- behavioral behavioral than actual physical yeah. adaptations i guess it would be like um if you even think about um <laughs> this sounds weird but you know like t.s Eliot poems and how like the spread of like depression and anxiety yeah. due to like urbanization i guess that would be something i'd associate more with like i don't know city living but then you could also say the same things of like oh people have greater access to like services and all mm, this stuff yeah. So yeah it's really toss up yeah i guess like urbanization and city life just increases the pace of your life i mean i haven't read anything on it but like i wonder if that links with high rates of like burnout and yeah adverse mental probably i guess because like also those that are like kind of going towards the city are also like hoping to live a bit more high pressure life if that makes sense Mm, like if you're living in a country like you're not really wanting to predispose yourself to like a lot of stress like i guess because it's just more chill yeah like people move to the city looking for that more fast-paced lifestyle yeah busy sort of yeah thing Okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, my turn. All right, let me just read this. Okay. <laughs> so my fact or not fact is that polar bears are almost invisible to infrared cameras. How cold are they really? Because <laughs> um, it's so because they have a polar bear. Do they have any? They have a lot of fat, don't they? Yeah. Do they have a lot of fat? I say no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you think it's false? Yeah. Oh, so polar bears are amazing at heat conservation oh so they don't lose heat because i guess they would kind of okay or like they're so well insulated so so that their the surface of them is a similar temperature to the surroundings so keeping the warmth that is so cool or like under the surface talking about their methods of heat conservation well first off their fur so there's two layers Mm -hmm. of fur the top layer like the fluffy bit (laughs) of like their guard hairs and they're actually transparent which 
was like a contender to the fact like, like polar bears have transparent fur is that more <laughs> believable <laughs> i don't know but basically their guard hairs are transparent and hollow which absorb infrared radiation from yeah. i mean basically they want to get as much infrared as they can yeah. right to yeah. stay warm and they have also a thick undercoat like under that layer of fur mm-hmm. which is close to their skin and we all know that air is a good insulator of heat so that mm. kind of traps it in terms of the skin their skin is black, so that's a good absorber. Good absorber of infrared radiation, absorbing even more infrared from the sun. You guys have probably heard, like, if you wear black and it's a sunny day, you're going to melt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, same sort of thing there. They also have a thick layer of fat, so, like, four inches of insulation. And this is kind of cute, like, about their body. So, like, they have short, um, they have short ears and a short tail, mm-hmm. and that reduces the surface area and conserves heat in that way as well. Because, you know, if... Yeah. If you think about a plant's roots, they have lots of branches in order to increase surface area for water intake. Mm -hmm. So this is like the opposite of that. And also in terms of their behavior, during like super cold or windy days, they actually like use their paws to cover their muzzles because (laughs) their muzzles are like a heat source of some kind. So they try to conserve that. If you look on infrared cameras of pictures of polar bears, you can see like their face and their nose oh, <laughs> but like the rest of their body okay. is pretty ah. um Wait, invisible for for the most part oh. so yeah that's really cute yeah. yeah like they're not super invisible but it's for pretty the, good yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for the most part yeah like if you think of a human we're like fully red <laughs> in infrared yeah. so you can see us like no matter what and scientists have also used this sort of technology or like mm-hmm. their structure to develop some sort of invisibility cloak for infrared cameras because like they're kind of invisible Mm. right yeah all right so now for my um false fact (laughs) 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 that you revealed expose yourself yeah yeah because like they're related so yeah yeah i chose one that was real and one was false yeah so there is a device that allows plants to communicate in terms that are understandable by humans Mm -hmm. Wait, isn't what? that like the same thing? Like, yeah, it's just replacing with plants with spinach, isn't? Yeah, there's a device that allows plants to communicate in terms that are understandable by humans. So this is a fake study from 1979 mm. and Kansas Botanical Laboratory. Oh, so it's like a legit fake study. Yeah, it's of. legit. It's a. <laughs> I looked for like right. studies that they used in April Fools. Like yeah. sometimes they oh, post oh, like fake cute. studies. I was like, oh my goodness, I found that it's one. I was like, iconic. I have to use that other one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they are so related, but one yeah. is true. Yeah, they're also like decades apart, mm. but still. Basically, it was a fake article that was published for April Fool's Day and this laboratory was monitoring responses of plants to stimuli such as humidity levels, photosynthesis rate, temperature and stuff and they detected patterns of what they called vibrational waves mm-hmm. in response to different <laughs> stimuli. Yeah. So then they harness that with a device and then they were like we can translate this <laughs> into like human understandable mm. like I don't know waveforms. Yeah. I don't know what they would but yeah it was i was like so they basically did a version of that but today and it's real so that's pretty cool Cool, yeah yeah Yeah. that reminds me of a youtube video that i watched where um these guys hooked up a lie detector to to, um a plant and then just like like yelled at it (laughs) like like, put fire next to it it? and then like saw how the grass changed 
Sometimes they did, oh, but like what? it was totally like probably just like coincidence. Or yeah, yeah. Because like, detectors... they weren't scientists. It was just like mm. a funny video. Yeah, yeah. 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 Lie but... detectors are kind of false, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you guys would have heard that different like plants supposedly grow better when you're like nice to them. <laughs> oh yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, if you're talking a lot, they might do better than a plant that's like alone or versus if you just yelled at them all maybe, the time. Maybe you should do that with your plants. <laughs> that reminds me, I don't even know why that reminds me of it. Don't ask me, but it reminds me of the I watched where it was like um some guy was checking if he can um cook a chicken by slapping it. <gasps> I was yeah. watching that. <laughs> I watched yeah. both parts. He came out of the new part where he actually cooked the chicken. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he said that the texture tasted really bad, but whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. It was like a 13-minute video of just like yeah. slapping the chicken. The first video, he like pulverized the chicken yeah. because he couldn't find a way to slap it without like slapping it a lot without slapping it harder. Yeah. Yeah, second time he found a way to slap it less hard, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but like in a required amount of times right cook. right yeah that's yeah. pretty interesting because i mean in bio we're kind of taught that ph can denature proteins hence mm. heat can also denature proteins so like how yeah. can a slap do that <laughs> i guess besides friction but then it won't get hot enough to the point that it well because i guess like with the, it's the thing they put it in as well was like was it's, it, it was insulating yeah, yeah. yeah it's like so that the kinetic energy could like be trapped inside there yeah. and like yeah because the chicken yeah, because it, the, they lost too much energy the first time. Mm, mm, yeah, because it was like, it's a really famous post on Reddit, right? Like, yeah. where people were trying to calculate how many slaps <laughs> it would take to cook a chicken. Yeah. And then, like, this guy goes and does it. Imagine having the time. <laughs> so that's so cool. If I continued engineering, that's just <laughs> the kind of stuff I would do. Anyway, real beneficial stuff to society. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Babies don't recognize their existence. XD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the XD makes it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because they don't, they don't have like a concept of time or place mm. when they are just born. So yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning or like from when they are born, they are all acting on instinct. Oh, and there is a period of time where they don't recognize themselves in the mirror. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah, the red dot experiment. Yeah. You do, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think that one's wait. What I was the phrase? Babies don't recognize their existence. Okay, that's true. I think right, that's true. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the one I found was, I guess it is kind of similar to your mirror one, but not really. Um, it was like they, they developed a, like this shopping cart study, right? So they put like a baby and like this, when I'm saying baby, this is like up to 16 months, I think. Mm-hmm. So they put like a shopping cart in front of a baby and they wanted to see if they could, um like the baby could get the shopping cart to the mother. But there was like a mat like stopping the movement of the cart but the baby was also placed on the mat if that makes sense so like when the baby pushed um the mat it like didn't get any close so like even if they recognized that like the mat was stopping it they Mm. couldn't recognize that like themselves was also a barrier to stopping it Mm. so they tested like a a 15 month old um doing this and they had like no idea that it was their body right preventing it. Then they tested a 16 month, oh. and they got a bit closer because the 16 month like moved the mat, but still didn't make the connection to like their own sense of self. Yeah. Um, the 18 month year old though, like at that age, he um pushed it and stepped off the mat. So like because he realized it was actually himself. Oh. And the other one, um, <laughs> bit of a 
Mata, 18 month year old, I guess. Month year old. Um, <laughs> rolled the month mat. Old. Um, rolled the mat away from the cart. Um, and like immediately like recognized that like like she got off first because she realized like oh I can't um push it if uh-huh. um, I'm on it or whatever. Yeah. And another this Ooh. is not like super um related, but kind of. And I okay because I was gonna use this one at first and I did the yeah. research, but so I'm gonna <laughs> say this now. Um, <laughs> so it was like whether you think um babies are like inherently scared of height or like is it learned okay i guess this is a bit debatable i guess because well there is a there was this study right that was like um the glass table experiment i don't know if you guys heard of it it's basically mm-hmm. it was just like one side there's like a checkboard pattern right and the other side basically it gives a perception of like um depth or whatever mm-hmm. and then um it found that um so the mum would stand on one side like and call her baby right and see if like the baby would come or not when the baby like over time i guess like stop well this experiment first of all showed that it was like the baby just would like keep going even regardless so Mm. um in that way showing that it was not inherently um scared of height or whatever it showed that over time it did learn seemingly a fear of height or something Mm -hmm. and they thought back in the past they were were like oh this means like they've grown to develop a fear of heights or whatever but they think now that it's more like they just gain a understanding of like depth and because there's no association of it with fear like it's yeah just, they, they're not like scared of it they just recognize that it's yeah. like oh, okay yeah yeah so they're scared of being dropped but well, not scared like of heights because i mean dropped is a different sensation yeah. from standing yeah like yeah. a tall building yeah. yeah oh so the morrow reflex may be a survival instinct to help the infant cling to its mother if the infant lost its balance the reflex caused infant to embrace its mother and regain oh, its okay. hold on yeah. the mother's body yeah, yeah so they do have a reflex to the loss of being supported mm-hmm. right got it confused so they have a reflex to being dropped but whether that's a fear or not i guess is the more like, yeah yeah, yeah. They, so they, it's not really a fear basically the study was i guess saying um because they equated it with like a fear of heights mm. but you can't technically do that because they didn't even like measure for that they just yeah. measured it they said it's a more accurate example of like just depth perception mm-hmm. rather than yeah. like okay. fear of heights yeah, yeah. i guess you That's need some sort of self-awareness to have fears yeah. yeah yeah so if they're not even aware of their existence mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> are they scared of anything <laughs> okay so um my thing is uh, <laughs> there's another state of matter called time crystals <laughs> do you believe in time crystals? State of matter. Yeah, it's another state of matter. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. three. Uh, no. Sounds like some like manifestation technique. Mm. Oh. I wonder if it's like okay. no. Wait, no. Wait. No, what what if it's like something oh no. I'm gonna I just go gave with you no. a different name. Yeah, I'd say no. Well, time crystals are actually a real thing. Okay. What the heck? It's <laughs> so funny because it sounds like a sci-fi video game type thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Time crystals. Okay, so yeah, they're another state of matter. Yeah, because I was like, what if they actually actually exist? But someone just gave them that name. True. To like throw you off. Yeah. Name, the name is related to the um, properties Property? of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was proposed by in 2012 as a progression of the universal model of space time. So. Time crystals are really hard to wrap your head around. Like, I don't fully understand them. But basically, in regular crystals, the arrangement... If you go back to chemistry and remember (laughs) the ionic lattice... Yeah. um, So it's just like repeated, (laughs) right? It's like the atoms in a repeated sort of pattern, Mm -hmm. like infinitesimally, right? (laughs) Until like the end of the crystal. So, yeah, it's just this repeated 
pattern of atoms. That's a crystal. That's what forms crystals. Yeah. So same. time crystals are the same, but they include quantum entanglements as part of the structure. <laughs> so basically, I watched this pretty informative video on it. You can link it to the website. Yeah, I'll I'll link it. But yeah. <laughs> so how he explained it was that if you imagine someone like jumping rope, mm-hmm. skipping, yeah. right? Normally. I would like swing once, jump once, right? Mm. So in this thing, in the time crystal, there's like a motion. So like it's like swinging four times, but you only jump once, mm. kind of. It's like this weird time loop sort of thing yeah. where some, some atoms Funny. feel the effect before yeah. the cause. <laughs> yeah. So okay. um, that's dope. <laughs> that's kind of cool. I just, yeah. It's quantum. like in regular crystals how... There's the, this orderly symmetrical structure in 3D. Yeah. But this is including the fourth dimension of time. Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I saw a really that. good video that like described dimensions and how yeah. it's so hard for us to even imagine like yeah. a fourth dimension. Because like we yeah. can't like we don't know what it is. Like, it's you like, know? like time is like this undercurrent of everything, but it's like not it's not physical. It's not tangible to yeah. us. Mm. Yeah. Because we aren't part of that fourth dimension, mm. yeah. really. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to see if I can link that video as well. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the atoms or some of the atoms in time crystals, they rotate or move. Yeah. And they change the direction of rotation periodically. So if you imagine like sine waves, how mm. there's like the period and then they go it's like that. <laughs> and then they change direction every so often, every unit mm. of time. Yeah. So in time crystals, it's non-equilibrium. So the atoms never stop moving because mm-hmm. it's just like this continued effect no cause but then cause and effect sort of thing so it's like if you throw like a block of jelly around it's like as if that jelly will never stop jiggling and moving and bouncing it's really cool (laughs) it never stops um right because they're in non-equilibrium right now you have to continue feeding them energy to ensure that they still exist Mm. because otherwise they'll just turn into regular crystals yeah wait so so they need like this continued energy yeah so so why do time crystals exist i don't know okay (laughs) but it's basically yeah like they have applications or scientists are trying to apply them to quantum computing and that Mm. sort of thing you can also find them in kids crystal growing kits (laughs) what okay okay so like um researchers from yale found the signature of time crystals so like not actually time crystals but like they used to be there okay, in yeah. um, monoammonium phosphate, which is a common crystal growing yeah. compound. Wait, so can you see time crystals? No. Yeah. Yes, I, no? I don't know because it's like so it's like a big concept like, sort of is, thing. Is, is it a thing where they exist but they don't exist? <laughs> kind of. Oh, I mean, Lord. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, they should be able to be seen because they are just crystals with these other atoms yeah, in them. Yeah. Are they... Is it a theory right now? Or is it, has it been like proven? Um, they do exist. Okay, okay. Yeah. so it's they found it. Yeah, it's just how uh-huh. we. It's just like what we can do with them, or how or like we know that they exist, but we don't know much about them, basically. Okay. And non-equilibrium thermodynamics, as a field in general, is quite unexplored mm. at the moment. Uh. Or like we're trying, we're trying trying to like <laughs> learn more about it so that we can apply these things to that's stuff cool. in real life yeah yeah time crystals <laughs> wow it sounds like an astrological like piece sounds of like equipment. literally time some crystals. just like uh, yeah like yeah. some guru or like some like i don't like, know like yeah oh you know this like pick a card reading yeah exactly <laughs> that's what i, I was thinking of i don't know what you call them yeah, yeah. and 
and I'm gonna tell <laughs> yeah <laughs> look at this beautiful time crystal <laughs> you wear it we're gonna start like adapting it now into the <laughs> readings <laughs> wear this time crystal on your bracelet for inner healing <laughs> yeah oh like it's just jelly it doesn't stop moving and it's jumping all over <laughs> Alright, so you know the game. That was pretty fun. That was fun. Mm, yeah. I sucked at it, but it was fun. That's okay. <laughs> I'm sure, as you realized by this game, there's a lot of myth around mm. everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of a callback to the very first episode of season one, which was science versus the media. Like, misinformation is everywhere. And if anything that you garner from this episode, I hope that we've been able to emphasize that you can't just trust everything that you read on the internet. Yeah. Although <laughs> most of our facts are like, true yeah 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 you can trust us but <laughs> no. i mean i don't claim that no, no, um, see, but then i also got them all wrong so if anything you should just not trust anything and yeah. then just do your, own research, do your own research yeah 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 it's good to be skeptical of things yeah you know and most times they use like blanket statements of like yeah not explaining mm. yeah because like if i just read my two statements they're very similar mm. yeah but they're also very sensational headings yeah spinach emails spinach. <laughs> writing emails <laughs> but like the spinach is not physically writing the, the emails. emails yeah yeah spinach isn't even like they aren't even the ones sending <laughs> the emails yeah it's just like, like they they just act as a sensor yeah. mm. like when you explain the thing there's like the whole chain of sensors various yeah sending yeah. signals so to various spinach, places yeah, they they don't they're not even the ones sending the yeah, emails. They're, so they're not there. really sending the emails. <laughs> yeah. They're just there to detect like physiologically they're able to detect mm. like I don't know, they're able to like take up this one mineral and then the sensor senses that and then sends email, you know. So it's not even the spinach doing anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 What were you saying? <laughs> yeah, so you <laughs> do your own research if you're skeptical of anything and like if anything then you will learn something, you know. So yeah. 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 This was fun. <laughs> So don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or any comments. Check out our new website, sciencequeries.com, for show notes and sources. We are SciQueries Pod on Instagram and TikTok, so you can chat with us there and... You can email us with any comments, concerns or queries at sciencequeriespod at gmail.com as well. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time on Science Queries. Bye.